Are you at the most dramatic moment in the Old Testament? Now, we're in Genesis 45, and the life of Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, I love pictures. I mean, I got to tell you, pictures are just a really, oh, there's a picture. And I really love that picture. That's my grandson, Ryder, with the little dog, Aspen. Now, that's not Ryder. And that's not Aspen. That's a picture of Ryder and a picture of Aspen. I want you to see a picture of Jesus Christ today. Now, what we're going to show you today is not Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. I actually don't believe that there is a better picture in human form of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament than the life of Joseph. Now, I think the tabernacle and I think the sacrifices are better pictures of Christ than any human representation. However, I don't think there is a better picture of Christ in human form than the life of Joseph. And in every avenue, even him getting a Gentile bride and being rejected by his own, in every way. Matter of fact, they say, I've read one author says, there are 230 pictures of Joseph as Jesus. If that's true, that's kind of interesting because that's how many messianic prophecies there are in the Old Testament. But there is an enormous amount of pictures of Joseph as Jesus. But this is like the best. I love this. So it was the late 1990s, and I was preaching through the life of Joseph. And I was up in my office, and I'm coming kind of towards the end of the series, and I don't know of any series I ever preached that just kind of meant more to me than Joseph. And even still today, without a doubt, one of the five greatest series I ever preached through was the life of Joseph. And I'm up in my office, and I come to this incredible moment in the life of Joseph, but more importantly, in the life of Joseph's father, in the life of Jacob. Now, I know that I said this is the most dramatic moment of the Old Testament. And I know some of you were thinking, well, then we're going to be turning to Genesis 22, Abraham offering Isaac. I would say that's number two. And I would say that that would rival this. Some of you might think of Moses at the Red Sea, and that was a very dramatic moment. Some of you might say when Joshua, just before they gave the shout, come on, Brother Shetler, that had to be a very emotional, dramatic moment. And then there's David as he runs down and he picks up those five stones and goes running at Goliath. Pretty dramatic. But I tell you, the only thing that rivals this story is a woman in a garden early Sunday morning and she comes back to the tomb to see that it's empty and she looks behind her and she sees what she believes is to be the gardener and she says where have you laid him and she hears these words Mary and at that moment she realizes that her Yeshua HaMashiach has come back to life. That, I believe, is the most dramatic moment in the entire Bible when Mary realizes Jesus is alive. 
But I'll tell you what rivals that. It's second place to that. But it is when Jacob realizes that Joseph is alive. It is an amazing picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Normally when I preach in chapel, I carry a heavy burden. And I do, students. I don't want that to ever go away. I carry a very heavy burden for you to be what God wants you to be. And I think it comes out when I preach. I think I've always got an agenda, a burden that I want to share with you, that I'm going like, you've got to get this. This is the most important. Students, if you don't get this, this is going to affect your ministry. This is going to... And usually when I preach at you, I am preaching to you about a burden that I have about you. But last night, just the gospel got a hold of me. How about you? When I saw what Christ had done for me, and when I saw the suffering that he had, I changed my message. And I just said, you know, Lord, I've got, I've got a burden that I want to preach to the college students. But I think it needs to wait. Because today, I don't want to share with you a burden on my heart. I want to give you an incredible blessing. Because that one who was crucified the way we heard last night, he rose again three days later. And he's alive. And he is who we get to declare. Now, I don't know where Dr. Getch is going. And I guarantee you, Doc, I'm not going to take any of your thunder. I just hope I can just put a little brick on what you've been preaching. But I just thought today, you guys are at Bible college. You came back, or some of you are starting. You're back here again. Let us remember what we get and who we get to declare. And just this message isn't going to be about your life. This message isn't going to be about all the burdens I have for all of you, the way you're supposed to live according to the scriptures, according to the gospel. But this one is about who you get to declare. And I want you to see, I'm telling you, this is the most dramatic moment in the Old Testament. We're going to read the passage going to have a word of prayer, and then we got to talk a little bit about the background leading up to this. Genesis chapter 45, would you look with me in verse 24? So he, that would be Joseph, sent his brethren away, and they departed and said unto them, see, and he said unto them, see that ye fall not out by the way. I've used that scripture text to do a commissioning service for missionaries as well out of our church. See that ye fall not out by the way. Boy, that's a good verse. But now look at this. They arrive. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet, everyone together, what's the next word? Alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, you're like, which Joseph had sent to carry him the spirit of, now this is very important, 
The spirit of every student in here, the spirit of? Well, that was terrible. The spirit of? Their father revived. Interesting note, that is the first time revival is mentioned in the Bible, right there. First time the word is used, revive, revival, revived. That is the first time revival is mentioned in the Bible. Now notice this. Let me, you guys got to help me again because you're not doing a good job for my introduction. He had sent to carry him the spirit of everyone together. Jacob, their father, revived. And everyone together, what's the next word? Whoa. Whoa. What just happened, students? We went from his earthly, fleshly name, Jacob, to his spiritual covenant name, Israel. What happened? That we just went from Jacob to Israel. There's only one thing that happened between the name Jacob and Israel, and that one thing that happened is he had revival. And my friend, I'll tell you this. You'll go from your flesh to your spirit when you realize that your Savior is alive. When you understand who your Savior is and what he has done, you will go from Jacob and living in the flesh to being a spiritual man and being a spiritual woman in Israel. But listen to this. This is so cool. And Israel said, it is enough. Do you know what that is? That Hebrew word there, the idea behind that? That's all I can handle. You cannot say anything else to me. Because if you say anything else to me, I'm going to die of a heart attack. I'm an old man. I can't handle all this good news. Now, I want to tell you something. Throughout my life, I've had some bad days. How many of you have ever had a bad day before? You ever had a bad day? I've had some bad days. I've had days where I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to answer that. I just, I can't handle any more bad news. Brother Bundy, somebody come in. I, don't, I can't handle it anymore. I've had, okay, I've had all the bad news. But can I tell you a day I've never had? I've never had a day where I've had so much good news. It's like, okay, are you going to tell me something good? Yeah, I was, Dr. Shelley. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear any more good stuff. I've never had a day like that. Jacob is like, don't say anything more. Because if you tell me anything more, I'm not going to make it. I cannot handle anything more to hear about Joseph. This is absolutely unbelievable. After our prayer, we're going to study the life of Jacob for about five, six, seven minutes because you've got to understand Jacob to understand the drama of this moment. You've got to understand what Joseph and Benjamin meant to Jacob. But I am telling you, I know of no time in the Old Testament that there is an individual that has more of an emotional moment in their life and right here when Jacob finds out that his son Joseph is alive. But better than that, who Joseph is right now in Egypt. Father, may this student body realize who we get to declare. Father, I thank you for pictures. I love pictures. And I thank you for the picture of the life of Joseph. And dear Lord, I pray today that we would have a student body that would, would get excited, would be enthusiastic, would be passionate 
about why they came to college and who they came for. May we see our Savior high and lifted up. Last night, it was graphically explained to us what Jesus went through for us. Lord, I just want to just shout out, Lord, this world needs, as Dr. Ketch has been used by you, oh, Lord, we've got the gospel, the good news. We have what the world doesn't have, and we got to get him to the world. Lord, today, may a student body not worry about stupid little policies that they don't like. May they not worry about weather outside. May they not be so concerned about the room that they're not in or the food they didn't get. God, may we be consumed with a living Savior who is the answer for the world. May we be consumed with declaring the gospel instead of demanding our rights. God, today, give us a glimpse through a life of an individual that have been all point to Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and God's children said, so when you come to the life of Jacob, there's three R's. Now, some of you that have taken my classes go, Brother Shell, I know these three R's. Be real, be ready, be right. No, 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 not this time. These are the three R's of Jacob, and you need to know these. If you're ever going to study the life of Jacob, you need to know these three R's. Number one is reap. There is no better example of reaping what you sow than Jacob. You ever want to preach on the Galatians 6 passage? Use Jacob as your negative illustration because it's an incredible illustration. You reap what you sow. Help me out. You reap more than you sow and you reap later than you sow. Well, that would be the life of Jacob. Jacob reaped deception, he, he, or excuse me, he sowed deception, he reaps deception, he reaps more, a later deception, and he reaps more. Every, I mean, he, you think of Jacob, think of everyone together, think of the word reap. Number two, revive. Look, Jacob is just the most interesting guy in the Bible. Now, I would like to say that I, well, the, 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 per, the Bible character I connect both most with in the Bible is Daniel or Joseph. Yeah, that ain't true. The Bible character, unfortunately, I probably connect most with is Jacob. And Jacob struggles a lot, don't you? Jacob struggles a lot between Jacob and Israel. Jacob really struggles, but there is something about Jacob. This man does have a heart for God. He tries to connive at himself. He tries to do things on his own. But Jacob has a heart for God. And some of the best revivals in the Bible are found in Jacob. There's another one going to happen at Bethel here. There's an, I mean, there's some really good. And then there's El Bethel. He worshiped the place the first time. Bethel, the house of God. He comes back. And now it's not the house of God. It's El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Jacob is a spiritual man. He just falls in the flesh a lot. So I put down the word, I was thinking repentance, but really I think the word revive, revival is very true with Jacob, but then, and I'm telling you, later in his life, there's only one R you need to know, and that R is Rachel, because everything in Jacob's life goes through the filter of Rachel. And if you remember Reap, Revive, and Rachel, you're going to pretty much know Jacob's life. 
And, and Rachel is very important because Rachel is the love of Jacob's life. Now, I will tell you this. There are college guys in here that are absolutely in love with a college girl in here, college girls in here. And there's guys in here that have a girl and they are absolutely in love with that girl. But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> the majority of guys in here wouldn't wait seven years for her. No, I'd wait the all of eternity. Well, that's easy until about the third month. And uh, then you start thinking, well, maybe there's other girls around here. You know, maybe there's somebody else. Maybe God's got something else. He waits seven years to get his wife because he loves Rachel. I don't know how this happened. I can't figure it out. And I don't really want my mind to go too much into this. But I'm just telling you, I do not know what happened on honeymoon night. But he finds out the next morning he ain't got Rachel. He's got Leah. And he waits another seven years. 14 years for the love of his life. Now, college students, you've got to understand this. This man is consumed with Rachel. This man filters his whole life by Rachel. He loves Rachel. Well, that doesn't make Leah feel real good. And not only for the seven years he's still waiting for Rachel, but Leah starts having all the kids. He finally gets Rachel. But Rachel not having no kids. Leah keeps having the kids. And then we throw in a concubine, Bilhah. And she has kids. And Rachel is not having kids. Then finally, Rachel has a baby. A little baby boy, everyone together. And his name is Joseph. So do you think Joseph meant something to Jacob? Wow, this is the baby of Rachel. Well, he was the favored kid. And can you talk about dysfunctional families? I don't think you've got more of a dysfunctional family than you do there. Because you got boys brought up and raised from Leah that absolutely know that dad only cares about another mom and only another son. Rachel has one more child. But in the delivery of that boy, Rachel dies. So now the only two persons, connections, that Jacob has with the love of his life is Yosef and Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin are his only connection to Rachel. So I'm going to tell you something. When those boys come back with that garment with the goat blood on it and saying, hey, Dad, isn't this Joseph's coat? Hey, Dad, you read what you sow, Jacob. Hey, Dad, I think something's happened to Joseph. Yeah, you, you put him in a pit and you sold him, boys. Many of you, hopefully all of you know the story. But when Jacob picks up that garment, he says a statement that's really cool. He says, I know now for sure. You look it up. I know now for sure that my son is gone. You know, things are not always the way that they appear. And sometimes in our life, we lose total hope on something 
Maybe it's a ministry you're going to go to. Maybe it's a, a mission field that you thought, man, I thought for sure it was. But now I know I will never be to North Korea. Now I know that I'm never going to China with what's going on. You know what? Things are not always the way that they appear when you got a God in heaven that's running everything. And when Jacob takes that thing, he says, now I know, that coat, now I know for sure that Joseph is dead. Hey, I got to tell you something, Jacob. Joseph's not dead. Now to Jacob, he thinks it is. So we go through the whole thing with the brothers, the famine, the whole thing, the seven years of plenty and the seven years of bad. And their boys are everyone, all the family now got kids. They got grandkids and they got all this stuff going on. There's you know, about 70 of them and all, and they're running out of food. You know the story. They go get food. They have no idea that Zaphaphania is their little brother, Joseph. But Joseph knows who they are. And Joseph, he could have done a lot of things, too. He could have absolutely had them killed. He could have done, he could have not given them food. But he wants to see them repent. And that's exactly what the Lord wants to see in our life, is to restore our relationship. But it can't be this little, this little moment, hey, guys, it's me, Joseph, I'll give you all the food in the world. Oh, that wasn't going to get it out. So there has to be a road of repentance, and there was. But now in the second visit, Joseph under incredible emotion. By the way, talk about top 10 emotional moments when Joseph reveals himself to his brethren. <laughs> By the way, can you imagine being one of the boys right then? Like, okay, like, if you're Joseph, we're dead. If you're, oh boy. And by the way, when they come to the meal and they sit exactly in birth order, they're going like, okay, this is a little strange. How in the world did they figure that out? And Joseph reveals himself, explains to them, hey, you guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Then he goes back. He tells the boys, I want you guys to go back, take all this food. Benjamin, I got all kinds of extra stuff for you. He gets double of everything, you know, it's Benjamin. And you got to understand what's going on with Jacob. Because Jacob... When he's told by his sons, hey, dad, if we're going to go back for more food, we're supposed to take our youngest brother. Jacob says, you ain't taking Benjamin. Benjamin ain't going because that's all I've got left. I've lost Rachel. I've lost Joseph. And the only thing I've got left is Benjamin with Rachel. And Benjamin's not going. You no way is that happening. And they said, well, dad, if he doesn't go, we don't get no food. That's what the guy said. That's what Zaphaphania said. So finally, because of starvation, Jacob lets Benjamin go. Now, you tell me this, that every day, Jacob didn't wake up. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, oh God of covenant, bring back Benjamin to me. Never will I see Rachel, never will I see Joseph, but dear God, bring back Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Bring back, you know he prayed that every day. You know he waited every day and he walked around. He's an old man. You know every day he said, oh God, Jehovah Elohim, bring back, God, bring back Benjamin. Then finally a servant comes running into the tent. Yaakov, Yaakov, they're coming. Now, I don't know exactly what happened. And I don't know who the first in the tent was. But I just tend to think the oldest brother, Reuben, who's really messed up here, 
I just sense that Reuben, the oldest one, goes into that tent first. And he comes running in. Abba! Abba! Abba, you're not going to believe this! Abba! Tell me, is Benjamin okay? Oh, Dad! Dad, Benjamin's okay! Dad is with, Benjamin is with us! Oh, thank you, God! Oh, Rachel! Benjamin is still with us! Dad! Dad, I gotta tell you, not only is Benjamin with us, but Dad, Joseph, Joseph is alive. Joseph is living. No, don't say that. No, 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 no. Here's, what are you talking about? Here's the coat. Here's the coat. Dad, we'll tell you about that later, but Dad, I'm just telling you. We'll, we'll, we'll tell you about what happened. No, 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 Joseph is dead. No, 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 Dad, uh, Joseph's not dead. Joseph is living. Can you imagine that moment? The moment that Jacob finds out that Joseph is alive. I want to tell you something. And I don't know where Dr. Getch is going tonight, tomorrow. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I sat out there last night. And I was so moved. I'm 63 years old. Do you think I've heard a few crucifixion messages? Do you think I've preached a few crucifixion messages? But last night, God just took my heart and just said, Dear God, what your son did for me. But then I thought, but he didn't die on the cross for good. They put him in a tomb, and three days later, Jesus is alive. And that's why I'm at West Coast Baptist College. That's why I want to do everything I can to send you out as laborers, and that's why we're all here. That's why we're on a faculty. That's why you're a student here. Jesus is living, and if he is living and he conquered death, there is nothing that will happen this semester that is more powerful, bigger than Jesus rising from the dead. So you are never going to give a prayer request to God this semester. This guy, hey, God, I don't know if you can handle this one. Hey, it's okay. I came out of the tomb. I can handle it. Listen, if Jesus is alive, he can handle your prayer request. If Jesus is alive, he can handle whatever you got for him. There is no sin. There is no situation that is greater than a risen Savior. I want to tell you something else. If he's living, that means that there's more to this life than these few years that we spend here. Boy, I've sensed that from, from Dr. Getch's preaching. That it's like we are spending so much time on the material and the temporal. If Jesus rose from the dead, I think we better be thinking about life after death. I think we need to be thinking more about heaven. We need to be, be concerned more about hell. We are more concerned about the menu items on Chick-fil-A than we are that we will live for eternity and be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I just want to tell you, if Jesus is living, he can handle whatever you're going through. And I'm going to tell you something else. If Jesus is living, my friends, we better look at the eternal more than the temporal. I think Jacob is just unbelievably moved. But about that time, I don't know who, but I got a feeling it might have been Simeon. Now, Simeon's the one who stayed in the prison, you know, in Egypt. So it's been a while since Simeon's been back. So I think Simeon comes in the tent. And he says, Abba, 
Papa, Father, Father, Dad. Oh, Simeon, it's been come, come see me. Oh, what a day this is. I find out Joseph is alive. Simeon, you come back dead. You gotta know. You gotta know about Joseph. I do. Reuben just told me. Reuben just told me he's living. Dad, not only is he living, but Dad, he's the Lord. Dad, he's like over everything. Dad, he's the governor. Look at your verse. He's the governor. Dad, it all goes through him. He's the ruler of rulers. Our little brother isn't only living. Our little brother is the Lord of all. He is ruling over everything. And I want to tell you something, college student. After a year of 2020, some of you may wonder. No, you'll never say it. But you sometimes wonder, God, if you're in control, why don't you do something? Well, I want to tell you today, our God is Lord. Jesus is not only living, Jesus is ruling. And nothing is happening on this planet that is not in God's sovereign hand. And you know whatever's going through in a pandemic and whatever's happening in our lives, you know this, our Lord has a plan in what he's doing. He has a purpose in everything that's going on. And you being here, you remember not only is he a living, he is the Lord. And he has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. And he is going to make that accomplish. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is a living. He's Lord. And I think just about that time, I think Judah walks in. Boy, you know, Judah's the guy who made the confession. Judah's the one that was kind of behind the whole thing with Joseph. And Judah walks in and tears are streaming down his eyes. Abba. Abba, Judah, come here. Come here, Judah. What a day this is. What a day this is, Dad. I got to tell you about Joseph. <laughs> Son, I know. He's living. Yeah, Dad, but I got to tell you better than that. Simeon told me. He's like the Lord over there. He's like the governor. Yeah, Dad, but can I tell you this? Not only is he living, not only is he Lord. Dad, he loves us. Dad, he loves us. Dad, in spite of what we are, in spite of what we've done, in spite of where we've been, Dad, Joseph loves us. And I want to stand here and tell you, college student, no matter where you've been this Christmas break, God still loves you. No matter who you are and where you've been, God still wants a relationship with you. And I want to tell you something. Judah came in and said, Dad, he loves us so much, he has forgiven us. I wish I had more time on that one. That's a good one, though. He loves us. About that time, I don't know why, but I just think it was Levi. And I look at Levi, I, I just picture Levi is robust, big, fat, big guy. Now, he's the priestly tribe, so he's a preacher, you know. So anyways, I got this guy, Levi, coming in. Dad, Dad, you ain't going to believe this one. Bless God, let me tell you, Dad. And, and I could just picture, Levi, it's okay, I know, I, I, I know, I, I know, Dad. 
I got to tell you about my little boy, Joseph, my little brother. I know, Levi, I know. He's living. Yeah, but dad, better than that. Oh, no, I, I heard from Simeon, Levi. I heard from He's like the Lord over here. Yeah, but dad, better than that. No, I, I, I know. Uh, Judah just told me. He loves us, Levi. He loves you. He loves me. He loves all of us. Yeah, but dad, can I tell you something? Not only is he living, not only is he Lord, not only does he love us, dad, he's longing for us. He's longing for us to come. He's preparing a place for us, Dad. He's getting this place called Goshen, and he's getting it all prepared. And Dad, he's longing to be with us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Do you know God moves Joseph to Egypt to prepare a place for all of those descendants? Isn't that the coolest thing? And in John 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, Jesus says, I long for them to be with me. You know, this is one thing that amazes me. God has left us here on this earth to declare the gospel. But do know, you have a Savior in heaven that is looking forward to you spending eternity with him. And he created you the way that he created you because he's got so many cool plans for all of eternity and he is longing for you. He's wanting you to be in heaven with him. Right now, we're here, but he is longing for you. Wow, Brother Sheldon. This was quite the moment. Yeah. Remember the wagons? I think the last one who finally comes in is Benjamin. You say, well, you know, your, your little dramatic scene here is kind of cool, but Benjamin's the youngest, so wouldn't he have been the first one in? No. Because he's wearing seven garments. He has got more gold and silver hanging from him. He probably needed help out of the wagon. So no, 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 no. Benjamin's like the last one who comes in the tent. And Benjamin comes in like a snowman. And he's walking in. And he's walking over to dad. And he says, dad. And Jacob sees Benjamin. He says, oh, Benjamin. Benjamin. Rachel's boy. Benjamin. Benjamin. Your brother. Your brother's living. Benjamin. Your brother is Lord. Oh, Benjamin, your brother loves all of us. Oh, Benjamin, your brother's longing for us. And I think Benjamin looks at dad and says, hey, dad, let me tell you something about my brother. I know he's living. I know he's Lord. I know he loves me. I know he's longing. And dad, he's loaded. Dad, he's loaded. <laughs> Dad, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Dad, my brother is the richest man on earth. And let me tell you what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. College student. 
you get to declare a living God who is the Lord, who loves mankind, who is longing for everyone to come to heaven, and you get to declare the gospel of a loaded God, a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Hey, you know what? Thanks for coming to Bible college, but I got to tell you, it's a privilege to declare the gospel. It's a privilege to live for this one because this is our Savior.